you don't need to wear the mask. You, you've got Jesus. You don't need to take the vaccine. You've got Jesus. The blood of Christ is my vaccine. <laughs> yeah. The United States has no right, no desire, and no intention to impose our form of government on anyone else. No democracy can survive when its public life, its public goods are so privatized and militarized and individualized. So you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. So we tell a handful of billionaires who become phenomenally richer, yeah, you're going to have to pay more in taxes. So that was, um, that, that was Josh um, Feirstein, Feirsting. He's this pastor in Arizona um, who's super conservative, obviously. And um, he basically went on this tirade where he was like telling his congregation, hey, you don't need to get the vaccine. He's the same guy who, do you remember in 2015 when there was that whole controversy with Starbucks because they had removed the, red cups. the yeah, they removed yes. the Merry Christmas off the cup. And, and it yes. wasn't even like, I don't even think it was to be like inclusive. I think it was just because they were taking like a vintage. No, they wanted it to, to be the minimalist. They wanted it to be minimalist yeah. and they were like, oh, we'll just do red, which by the yeah. way, if you're trying to be inclusive, red and green are christmas colors like if they wanted to be inclusive they would do like a winter color like dark blue or gold or something you know what yeah, i mean right but but that all happens and and so this idiot goes to starbucks and like records himself and he's like um you know and he posts the video on facebook he's like hey hey everybody i know starbucks is trying to be politically correct well guess what i just went to starbucks and you know how you have to tell them your name yeah. and they write it on the cup and sometimes they screw it up. He's like, I told them that my name is Merry Christmas. So they had to write Merry Christmas on the cup. Whoa. <laughs> owned. Owned yep. the PC brigade. <laughs> yeah. How, how are they going to recover? I remember that. Like, I remember that being like a movement of people who would like go to Starbucks and like, that was, I think that was like, right around the time actually that I started working for Starbucks. Cause I, and I think, I don't know if I've said this on the show before, but working for that corporation is the reason that I'm a socialist. So oh, <laughs> I'll just put that out there um, to take a second to talk about workers' rights, but no, like I remember that. And like, it, it became like a, a minor movement almost for people to go in and be like, yeah, my name is Merry Christmas. So that we would have to say mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, grande latte, no foam, extra hot, Merry Christmas. Like, mm, <laughs> oh, that's damn, so cringy, us, man. you know, these, like these people like, oh, they want to be oppressed so badly. I know <laughs> like, it's, it's crazy to me because like, I think, I don't know, like, obviously, like, I think I'm correct in saying that this is like a majority Christian country. Like, um, yeah, like, oh, I think over 70% or so. Yeah, exactly. And I think like nowadays, with like our generation, like it's becoming more common to just be kind of a religious. Um, and I think that's why they feel threatened, but it's crazy to me also because they feel like, I don't know. Yeah. It's like, they think that they're like persecuted or something just because they are used to being like the default and they are used to being like, you know, so revered in terms yeah. of like getting all their holidays off and everything. Like I don't know the Christians, man. They just blow my. It's mind. kind of like white people when you tell them, like, "Hey, like we just had the census data come back, 
and I guess like white people are, are losing ground basically. Oh, like whenever you no. tell white people that they're going to become a minority, they freak out. Yeah. Cuz subconsciously they don't they, be treated like they, minorities. Exactly. They know how they've been treated they they've treated minorities and they don't want to be treated that way. <laughs> so so I think it's a thing where I think it's a similar thing with Christians like we've benefited from being the majority and kind of just running roughshod over everyone else. And oh, we don't want them to do that to I us. I love how you just said we as if like you are like part of this like Christian <laughs> majority. No, I'm saying I'm saying we as if like that's how they're talking about. Oh, about gotcha, it. gotcha. <laughs> anyway, we do have some uh, well, not so breaking news anymore, but um, a lot of developments with regard to Afghanistan. Absolutely. It feels so, like just yesterday we were demanding that Joe Biden pull out of Afghanistan and uh, it looks like we got our wish. Yeah, we did an episode on this, gosh, probably about a year ago at this point about Afghanistan. Just I think the episode was titled Afghanistan. Yeah, it might have been something else that we talked about as well. Um, but I, I remember talking about this a couple of weeks ago, too, because apparently he was getting out and we were just kind of like, oh, really? Like yeah. almost surprised and i have to say when you know he actually you know stayed committed to that i was like damn <laughs> yeah i actually like um, mad props to joe biden because like i feel like yeah. on this show a lot of the time like we criticize him because um he sucks but <laughs> sorry that's that's the type of rousing political commentary you came here for no um but like i, I think that we very deservedly criticized Joe Biden a lot on this show, but that's one thing I, I'll give props to Joe Biden for, for pulling out of Afghanistan. Oh, for sure. I think that, you know, I don't know. I think that a lot of Joe Biden, I, I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that he kind of came into office at the end of the Vietnam war as a Senator. And he kind of saw like the limits of U.S. intervention, U.S. imperialism, mm -hmm. and the fact that, you know, you cannot militarily occupy a country. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, that's the story of the American Revolution. It's the story mm -hmm. of Vietnam. It's the story of Britain occupying India. It, it just, it's not sustainable. Nope. And so after 20 years, $2 trillion spent, Trump had actually negotiated this deal back in February, 2020, before, you know, the election, before COVID even, you know, yeah. you think of that. Um, but he basically went to Qatar and negotiated this deal with the Taliban after letting that guy who's now taking over, that Mullah guy, Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar. So he went to Pakistan in 2018 where that guy who's supposedly going to be the new president of Afghanistan or Talibanistan or whatever you want to call it now, he actually went to Pakistan and demanded his release back in 2018, negotiated it, got it. And in February, 2020 in Qatar basically proclaimed that, you know, we're going to get out of Afghanistan. Uh, Mike Pompeo met with him in September of 2020. There's a video that's been circling around on Twitter because Pompeo is like being all critical and saying, oh, this is a disaster the way it's unfolding. Mm -hmm. And people are rightfully pointing out like, hey, dude, it was your administration that 
let that guy out of prison and that negotiated this thing, you weren't allowing the Biden transition team to have security briefings. And so they come into office and learn that, oh, this thing's like the wheels are already in motion. They were for, for, for a year at this time. And the original date was May 1st um, that Trump had, had planned to have all our forces out. He actually closed 10 air bases in Afghanistan. Like it was very clear that the U.S. that the U.S. was was leaving. Mm-hmm. And now Joe Biden's getting a lot of flack for, you know, and I, I, I mean, I don't even think that I have to tell our viewers about some of those images that we've been seeing or the videos of like people falling off the plane or just people in the plane or people, you know, sort of like begging for their lives at, at the Kabul airport. What's your sense of all that though? I, I think it's interesting because I think you pointed out something that's really important is that this was started by Trump. Trump didn't like finish this. He kind of started it. And this was one of his campaign promises, right? Like we're going to end the forever war. And that's one of the things, you know, you and I've talked about before I say, Hey, you know, go Trump. If you're not going to get us into new wars, you know, we're going to be more, um, you know, U.S. centered in our policy rather than trying to be, again, the world police, I'd say, go Trump, you know, (laughs) someone can make a little soundbite of me saying that. (laughs) But um, no, I think it's interesting because I was thinking uh, while you were talking about the fact that Joe Biden is the one who kind of like, you know, hit the go button and, and ended it finally. Do you think that Trump left it unfinished so that, you know, the following president could, you know, assuming, of course, that that would be a Democratic president, that they would have to take the fall for that, because this was inevitable. I mean, we talked several months ago on our last Afghanistan episode about the fact that the Taliban has been steadily gaining control in Afghanistan, despite the fact that we've been there. So I think exactly the way I see it, this was inevitable. I'm not, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like it's, it's very sad that there are like humanitarian injustices taking place there, but I don't think that like us being there, you know, necessarily is the solution at all. So I think that this was the right thing to do, even if, you know, the, there's continues to be like violence and horrors there. Like that's horrible. Don't get me wrong. But I, I think that the way to go about solving that is should be more based on, um, you know, like giving food, giving money, giving medical supplies to these countries, not a military occupation. So I guess, yeah. yeah. Like my question is like, do you think that this was an intentional move by the Trump administration to make Biden look bad? Yeah, it's a it's a good question. And, you know, speaking of what the U.S. actually has been doing in Afghanistan, a little over 7000 bombs we dropped last year. Exactly. So, yeah, so how for is all that the people, helping? how is that? Better? Exactly. Like for all the people who are upset now, it's like it, it wasn't it wasn't good before just because the media wasn't yeah. covering it doesn't exactly. mean it wasn't happening. But it's, it's an interesting question. And um, there is a statement from April of this year. So this is after Trump has been out of office, obviously, April 18th, 2021, because he, he has to put out these like little press releases since he's off Twitter. Uh, right. On statement his little by website. Donald. Did you see yeah. that? <laughs> yeah. The um, God, what is it called? Like Trump board or whatever. 
I don't know. It, yeah, they, they said, oh, he's going to create his own social media network. And it's not even a it's not even a social media it's network. It's him. like a blog. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's, blog. You can like heart the <laughs> statements, but it's not even like it doesn't count them. It doesn't. It's just, oh, I like that. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like peak Trump, though. Like that's exactly his his personality. But um, here it is. Statement by Donald J. Trump, 45th president of the United States. I wish Joe Biden wouldn't use September 11th as the date to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan for two reasons. First, we can and should get out earlier. 19 years is enough. In fact, far too much and way too long. I made early withdrawal possible by already pulling much of our billions of dollars of equipment out. And more importantly, uh, reducing our military personnel to less than 2,000 troops from the 16,000 levels that were there. Likewise, in Iraq, and zero troops in Syria, except the area where we, in all caps, kept the oil. Secondly, remember remember he talked about you got to take the oil. Um, Secondly, September 11th represents a very sad event and period for our country and should remain a day of reflection and remembrance. Great soul. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, Okay, so September 11th represents a very sad day and period for our country and should remain a day of reflection. So this is him back in April saying, like, hey, I negotiated the withdrawal. And I'm upset that Joe Biden is pushing it back. I think he should be doing it sooner is basically the argument. What gets me about that statement, like the most, first of all, I mean, I guess the first thing is you have to address the oil in Syria. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't even have um, anything to say about that. I think it speaks for itself. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's a sovereign country. They have sovereignty over their territory, but it gets to something else. And I think that this is also very important, too, that maybe these wars aren't actually about spreading democracy and American benevolence. Maybe it's actually about natural resources and military industrial complex. No, there's There's, no way. (laughs) In fact, there is this article from CNN Business from a couple days ago, and this is how you know they're getting desperate. Oh, the Clinton Um, News Network? (laughs) Yeah, the the Taliban are sitting on $1 trillion worth of minerals the world desperately needs. I saw that. I saw that. And I love the way that they frame that because they said sitting on resources the world desperately needs. This is what I call saying the quiet part out loud, like letting the mask slip. Because like you or I would make this same point as like an anti-imperialist point. Like, hey, this is what it's really about. It's about the fact that they, you know, sit on all of this gold, on all of this mineral wealth, um, yep. especially lithium. And we need those lithium ion batteries uh, to power our cars. Like you or I would say like, hey, that, that's a bad reason. And, and it represents the fact that we're not actually there to do the right thing. It represents that, you know, it's just, it's just about harvesting natural resources. But they're making this point and saying, oh yeah, we're doing this thing, um, but it's actually good. Right. This is why we should stay there forever. Right. Like, is it Afghanistan selfish? Yeah. For sitting on, like, as if like, there's no possible, like, it's almost like, and it sounds like they're trying to imply like Afghanistan is not capable of harvesting its own natural resources and being responsible for like the distribution and the sale of those things. Like, 
it's like, oh, you know, they're sitting on them. Like we need to like take them under our wing and make sure that those are distributed properly. And what it really means is like (laughs) the United States, which is obviously, you know, the source of that article wants to profit off of other countries' resources. And to me, I just think that's explicitly clear, you know, and, and, but it's framed in such a way. That's the thing that the American media, well, and probably other countries' media as well, like loves to do is they love to just twist things and make it sound as though like, again, Afghanistan is this selfish entity that's like holding on to all these things or doesn't know what to do with them. And it's, it is imperialist. Yeah. And um, speaking on, on, on that same point too, the opium trade in Afghanistan took off once, once we introduced the opium crop there and started harvesting it. And it's funny too, because if you look at like the amount of opium exports, like exporting the opium crop, Mm -hmm. um, like throughout the nineties and the early two thousands, it's almost like a perfect correlation between opium overdoses in the United States. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think again, it just speaks to what this has really been about or defense contractors. Like you can go to opensecrets.org and see how Lockheed Martin, Northrop Grumman, or a few of the other ones here, uh, Raytheon, Boeing, General Dynamics just made millions. They were given millions from the Department of Defense to build these weapons, some of which were the weapons that dropped the 7,000 bombs uh, that were yep. dropped last year. And another part, part I wanted to point out too, because what you're seeing on CNN and all the mainstream news networks is you're seeing a lot of the horror that's like happening now. But again, they weren't covering when we were dropping bombs that killed civilians. Exactly. They weren't covering when our drone strikes were killing civilians in that country at a 90% clip under the Obama administration. And then Trump increased those drone strikes by over 400%, got rid of the casualty report. So now we don't even know how many civilians were dying. And they're not talking about how we were actually allied with the Taliban for a little bit because they were fighting ISIS and yeah. we used them to fight ISIS. And this- Just like in um, Yemen, how we're allied with Sunni rebels on the ground fighting the Houthis, um, the same people who are fighting the Houthis are Al-Qaeda. So we're allied yep. with them as well. Yeah. Speaking of Al Qaeda, it's, it's just such a coincidence to me that like Donald Trump and like, he's not the only person, you know, who's talking about the closeness to the date of September 11th. You know, he's like, you know, Joe Biden should be more respectful. September 11th is, you know, a day of reverence, whatever. Um, and you know, don't get me wrong as we will always say, like, September 11th is like very sad. Like it's very sad that 2000 people died at the same time. It's also incredibly distressing that like the entire Muslim population of this country has been scapegoated ever since then, 20 years later, not to mention like the amount of death and destruction that the U S has imposed on other countries since 9-11. But it is very sad that those like 200 or excuse me, those 2000 people died. But we have to recognize that 9-11, I think it was like, what is it, Nick? I know you know the numbers. It's like seven out of nine of the terrorists were. Nine of the 11 hijackers. Were nine Saudi of the nationals. 11 hijackers were Saudi nationals. They were not Afghan. They were not from Afghanistan. Like 
I, (laughs) and it, it just goes to show like, this is like a great example of like how we just take, you know, the middle East and like group it all together into one entity. And it's just this like otherness, like, oh, you know, we're pulling out of Afghanistan. Those are the people that were responsible for 9-11. And it's like, no, just because they're Arab, <laughs> like it, it, it's just completely transparent to me. And I, I find it very disturbing, but it's a pattern, you know? Yeah, I know. Um, I think the story when we went into Afghanistan for the first time, I think Bush had basically like threatened the Afghan government, like said, you know, hey, you give me Osama bin Laden or, or have him go through a third country you know, and, and you give them to us that way, or, or we're going to invade. And um, they were like, we, we don't know how to, how to get that guy. And he was like, all right, we're invading. And right. a lot of it was, and, and I mean, I think a lot of the incentive at that point was like, you know, the fact that he wanted to be FDR, he wanted to yep. be World War, he, he wanted it to be World War II, and he wanted to be a commander in chief. But yeah, it's just, it's been a disaster. When we did get Osama bin Laden, uh, he was in Pakistan. All right. We basically destroyed Al Qaeda in that country. And, you know, here's the thing. Again, the Afghan government that just dropped all their weapons and left, you know, when the Taliban took over in the span of like three days, we spent $90 billion training an army of 300,000 Afghans. And as soon as we left, they dropped their weapons and folded to a army of 75,000 Taliban fighters you know they probably could have taken like if we really wanted to we probably could have obliterated them Mm -hmm. but again that was never even the goal the goal the goal was to make money for defense contractors yep the goal was to extract these natural resources and i think one of the reasons why people are just like so in all is because this lie is basically being exposed for what it was all along yeah, I think like, I don't know, I, I would just like to see some, some better coverage from the media about this, because everyone, like, I feel like even the Democrats, and by better coverage, I mean, more sympathetic to our position, <laughs> of course. Um, but I think like, even the Democrats are like, oh, you know, you're just blaming Joe Biden, like, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's not a lot of discussion about the fact that like, you know, the alternative was what we stay there for another 10 years, another 20 years. And you know, at that yeah. point, leaving 40 years later, the Taliban still takes control. So exactly. I, and I just feel like nobody is talking about that. Like everyone is like, oh, you know, this is so horrible that the Taliban took control. I say it's good because we're not going to be focusing our monetary and you know, human resources or human capital. No, that was just a joke. Um, we're, we're not going to be like- Our human capital stuff. <laughs> exactly. On, you know, continued violence and destruction. We can leave it up to that country to conduct their own violence and destruction. And don't get me wrong, I'm not making light of that. It's, it's very horrible. But I, at the same time, I don't think that it's our responsibility to promote that type of- militaristic authoritarian policy in other countries. I just don't think yeah, it's yeah. right. And I think yeah, it's, because yeah. Yeah. Because for as bad as the Taliban is, and they are terrible again, look at what we've done in that country with how many civilians we've killed. Absolutely. All of the damage that we've done. And I, and I would tell anyone in the media, like Jake Tapper, um, 
You know, if you're someone who's going <laughs> to sit there out. and argue that we need to be fighting this war supposedly indefinitely, you know, then, okay, well, you, you know, you go and explain that to, you know, someone who lost their kid in that war. Exactly. They were told that they're going to in fighting for freedom. Or, or you go and tell that to someone who was sent out on a patrol and got their leg blown off by an IED out in the middle of nowhere. You know, like that's the real cost of war. Mm -hmm. And I'm just getting really sick of these people in the mainstream media and these people at the DOD and, you know, these offices in Washington, D.C. and New York City where they're talking about all these things. It's like, you want to go fight the war? You go fight the war. Right. Send your kids out to, to exactly. fight instead of just poor kids and, you know, marginalized communities who you know, like how many people would we have fighting in the military if it didn't, you know, offer to pay for college or if it didn't claim to have all these benefits, no one's going to sign up, you know, to do that without being coerced in some way. And, and they're severely punished for it. People lose their lives because they're just trying to make a better life for themselves by joining the military. And it's types of military intervention like this, that's so wasteful and so useless. It does not promote peace. It does not promote freedom. It just takes the responsibility of the, you know, inevitable for the sake of this conversation, violence into our hands rather than into the hands of the, the country, which is, you know, actually experiencing the conflict. We're just intervening for, you know, what purpose? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and we know the purpose. It's to always enrich these defense contractors it's to harvest these natural resources and to um you know just gain geopolitical control you know Absolutely. keep russia at bay keep china at bay and listen if that's if that's your rationale okay but you know don't don't try and pull this facade mm -hmm. over everyone else's eyes that, that it's about something else because because it's not so i mean mad props to joe biden you know for actually sticking to this and not caving to the media because mm -hmm. they are just relentlessly going after him now. Yeah. See, this shows you that even, even someone who's as establishment as Joe Biden, like if you buck them at all, they will, they will throw everything but the kitchen sink at you. Or at this point, it looks like they're throwing the, ki the kitchen sink too. <laughs> but he's not conceding. He, he gave an, an, an argument or he gave a, an interview with um, that George Stephanopoulos guy the other day. And, <laughs> yeah. and he got... I don't know if you saw any of it, but it was, it was like a lot of that, like begrudging, like old man energy. <laughs> like he was like, look, Jack, I said, we're getting out of there and we're staying out of there. Hey, all right. Hashtag my president. I'll take it from so, Joe Biden. Yeah, like if we couldn't I get mean, the $15 minimum wage, we couldn't get the public option. I'll take it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Let, let's take our wins where we can get them. All right. And I guess there's nothing left.